I sometimes feel like I have the best seat in the house on Sunday mornings as I sit with you and find myself moving into that place where I close my eyes and let the music or the prayer wash over me. But from up here, I can see you with your little children or you with your partner or spouse or you here alone for the first time maybe wondering like what what comes next in this in this service and it's a gift it's a gift to be in this space with you and to feel that spirit of life among us love is the spirit of this church love is the spirit these are words that we say every time we gather for worship. And when John Cummins, our minister emeritus, served this congregation, he used only a slight variation on those words. It began with these words, love is the doctrine of this church. Doctrine, in that sense, meant the peace that held it together. But essentially, love is the spirit, love is the doctrine. They say the same thing. They point to the centrality of love in our faith tradition, not a mushy, hallmark, kind of feel-good, sappy kind of love, but a deep, abiding, grounding love. And friends, if we are to understand who we are as a religious people, we have to understand where this love is the spirit idea comes from. And to do that, we have to do just a little bit of time traveling this morning. We've got to go back in time to a place, it's still there, called Dedham, Massachusetts, in the 1630s. So about 400 years ago, time travel with me 400 years back, to join a group of people who have newly arrived from England. These men and women, in part, came for religious reasons to these shores. They left England to come here to practice their faith in a new way. You, you see, the Protestant Reformation was in full swing across Europe, and new expressions and understandings of Christianity were emerging. The Catholic Church was, was splintering, as it were, and all these different expressions of faith, of Christian faith, were emerging. And at the same time, there was a very fierce crackdown on religious heretics and dissenters, those who dreamed of a new way, who thought they could return to a more authentic expression of their faith. So these men and women from England came with the desire to be in religious relationship with one another in a way that was beyond creeds, that was beyond conformity of belief that was beyond any doctrinal statement. And so after they settled into the Massachusetts Bay Colony and they established their lives, they began to meet regularly. They began to meet in a small group, essentially, is what it was, and they began to listen deeply to one another, to talk about their hopes, their aspirations for how they might organize and be together in this new kind of religious community. So I want to invite you this morning to imagine you're there just on the outside of this circle, listening to them talk, listening in on some of these early gatherings. And we discover, listening on the outside of the circle, that the most commonly used words, and this comes from the records of these meetings, the most commonly used words as they talked about how they wanted to be with one another, how they wanted to be as a faith community, the most commonly used words were 
by far affection, affectionately, love, loving, and lovingly. Affection and love. As Unitarian Universalist historian Alice Blair Wesley writes, for these people, these Englanders come to these shores, these people who are our religious ancestors, they, they established what would become the Unitarian Church in Dedham, Massachusetts. For them, the integrity of this new church, this free church, it came down to loyalty to the spirit of love at work in the hearts and the minds of those local members. These men and women, as they prepared to start a new church, they declared their loyalty to the spirit of love, to seeking the truth in love together. They declared their loyalty to the spirit of love rather than loyalty to creed or belief. I don't need to tell you that this is not how the vast majority of churches organize themselves, then or now. Loyalty to the spirit of love rather than loyalty to creed or belief. But it is there, in those men and women 400 years ago, that we find the origin of this love is the spirit of this church. There, 400 years ago, we find this early expression of the notion that we don't have to think alike, to love alike, to be together, to serve the world alike. One could even go so far as to say that ultimately, beyond any particular belief, this group of people, these men and women, they declared their loyalty to Ruach. I'm not just clearing my throat. (laughs) Ruach is a Hebrew word that means spirit, that means breath, that means divine presence. It sounds like breath, ruach, breath, breath of life. These men and women 400 years ago said, we will declare loyalty to the spirit of life, the spirit of love, the breath of life, that divine presence in everything. Author Rob Bell describes Ruach this way. He says, It is the very life force that brings everything into existence. It is the presence of the divine within the world, dwelling in every created being, present to everyone and everything all of the time. Our religious ancestors essentially declared their loyalty to Ruach, to the breath and spirit of love, the one source that connects everything. It was as if our religious ancestors were pointing to this truth. They were saying, hey, we don't know how it all works. It's not all clear to us. It'll probably never be all clear to us, but we're pretty clear about this. In essence, they said, we're sure that God is not a Christian or a Muslim or a Jew or a Hindu or a Buddhist, that we are declaring a loyalty to a love that is bigger than any belief, to an everlasting love, an unconquerable love. That is what we are declaring our loyalty to, to that love beyond belief, not to a narrow understanding of the holy, 
but to a love that is bigger than any belief, bigger than Jewish or Christian or any belief. Now, I don't, I don't want to make our religious ancestors out to be saints. They weren't. And to be clear, they did understand themselves as Christians. And they also articulated the idea that love was the spirit of the church they were creating. In arriving at this understanding, our religious ancestors were reaching back into history 1,600 years to grab the threads of the Jewish and Christian traditions that were more concerned with love than with right belief. Specifically, when the rabbi Jesus is asked, what is the great commandment in the law? He says, very simply, you shall love God. Think ruach, spirit of life, breath of life. You shall love that thing, that mystery, with all your heart. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Everything else follows from that. Notice that Jesus doesn't say, well, there are 613 commandments If I was going to put together a list of the top 25 hits or the top 10, there's another list of the 10 commandments, right? Instead, he says, in essence, love the spirit of life and love your neighbor. In essence, he says, if you think there's something more important than this, loving the spirit of life and your neighbor, you've missed the whole point. What Jesus was pointing to and what so many other religious teachers have pointed to over the centuries is the importance of putting first things first. The importance of putting love at the center, of stripping away the rules and the creeds and the dogma that exclude and cripple and constrain the human spirit. So our religious ancestor 400 years ago, drawing on the best of what they saw in their faith, They articulated a new and at the same time ancient way to be together in religious community. Love is the spirit of this church. That's our inheritance today, friends. This idea, this promise about how we might be together. And what I really want you to understand this morning is this. When we talk in this church about being called to give and receive and grow into love's people... This is not something we made up just like a year ago. We didn't, we didn't just create that a couple of weeks ago, a month ago, a year ago. That idea of being love's people is something deep and ancient, something that is essential to how we as liberal religious people understand ourselves. We are invited to be love's people not the people who decide who's in and who's out, but loves people. Not the people who claim to understand what God wants for other people's lives, but loves people. Not the people who make sure that everyone believes just like us, but loves people. We are called to be loves people, loyal to that love beyond any particular belief. In this church, and the elements of what we do here Sunday after Sunday in worship, they help us do that. This church is like a base camp. It's a place where we come and get equipped and get supplies and get training and tools so that we might become love's people. It starts with the words for the lighting of our chalice. Love is the spirit of this church. 
And when you take those words and let them live in the center of your life, something happens. When we sing spirit of life, we are asking that spirit of life, that ruach, that breath of life to stir in us, to awaken in us, for us to become present to that mystery that is for compassion and justice to well up in us. That song, for many of you I know, is a mantra. It's something you can say throughout the day in moments of joy and grief and despair. We can say, Spirit of life, come to me, be with me, even in this dark moment, even in this hard place. Let me discover your presence even here. And we end every service by blessing one another with song. Go now in peace, we sing. May the spirit of love surround you. These words, too, I would suggest, can be a daily mantra. When you're dealing with someone or something challenging, try saying to yourself, in your head, not out loud, just in your head, may the spirit of love surround you, this difficult person thing. May the spirit of love be with you everywhere you may go, even if you really want that thing in front of you, that person in front of you, to go right to hell. (laughs) Right? So instead of saying that, just be thinking. May the spirit of love be with you. May it go with you everywhere you go. Try that. It may not change the person in front of you, but it'll change something in you. It'll change something in your heart. Those words, these practices, they shape us, they form us. They impact how we are in the world. These are the practices we have here every Sunday, the ones I've outlined. Love is the spirit of this church, singing spirit of life, our closing song. But love is the spirit of this church is alive beyond Sunday mornings. In the next two weeks and memorial services here in this sanctuary, we will celebrate the lives and we will mourn the deaths of two men, two fathers and husbands who died far too young. We will remember and celebrate the lives of Jim Mickman and Steve Lazarski in this space, and so many of you will serve as ushers as bakers of goods for the reception, as musicians. So many of you will be in these pews to hold and support those families as they and we move through grief and despair and confusion. And it doesn't matter what they believed. It doesn't matter what their families believed. It doesn't matter if they were agnostics or theists or atheists or had a whole bunch of different beliefs, none of that matters. What matters is our response of love. In the face of such loss and such grief, what other response can there be? Love is the spirit of this church. We become that ocean of love to one another. I've been here long enough now to know some of the deep losses that many of you have been through. And I have seen the spirit of life, the spirit of love alive in this place 
and those around you stitching you back together. This is not to say that love makes grief disappear, but rather to suggest that love changes the shape, it changes the feeling, it changes the way we carry the grief or whatever it is we carry. I see this most clearly in our small groups where we listen deeply, deeply to one another, where we love each other into speech, into truth, into telling our truth, into healing, into deeper relationship with the spirit of life. This is what our worship associate Brian was pointing to this morning. Love is the spirit of this church. So when people ask you, what is First Universalist about? What are you going to say? Love is the spirit of this church, and we are called to be love's people. That's what you can say. And then you can give them a big smile or a big hug and say, come on now, won't you join me? We worship at 9.30 and 11.15, come on down. (laughs) This is where love's people are gathering (laughs) every Sunday, every Sunday. Dear ones, May love indeed be the spirit of this church. May it live in our small groups. May it live as we celebrate and mourn the death of those we love. May it live as we teach our children. May it live and grow in each of you. May it be so. And amen.